Welcome to episode 67 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Chris Jensen, a PhD student at Florida State University and a bookseller at The Bookshelf. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And today, Chris and I will be chatting about the books I finished in April. And there were six of them. Yeah, slow month. Uh, I think slow month reading-wise probably means busy in the store. And we have been very busy. <laughs> really busy. In the store this month. In fact, I'm kind of exhausted <laughs> and a little overwhelmed. But that's okay um, because when the store is busy, that is a very good thing. Yes, it is. Um, but yeah, my reading kind of suffered a little bit this month and mentally I feel a little bit checked out. And that's okay. I mean, six books... <laughs> is nothing to sneeze at, as they say. <laughs> as someone says, I'm sure. I suppose that's true. Uh, six books is good. So let's start from the top of this list. Read Bottom Up. Read Bottom Up. So this is a book we always, or I feel like lately we tease in the bookshelf about the Venn diagrams of our tastes. Uh -huh. And so Rebecca and I read generally pretty differently. Um, but we overlap what I can best describe as like cute romantic comedies. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so she and I both really liked The Rosie Project and she recommended Read Bottom Up, which is a story told entirely in um, texts and email exchanges, mm -hmm. which I feel like can could have gone terribly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, now I really liked The Attachments by Rainbow Rowell, mm -hmm. which is a story told entirely via email. Thought that was super cute. I can't remember if I read that for a book club or just because I like Rainbow Roll. But um, that was a great book, and that is what I would compare this to. This takes place in more, quote-unquote, modern times. Right. Uh, the Attachments was kind of in the heyday of email, kind of like a you've got mail situation. And this is all about modern romance, modern romance which I don't know a lot about because I'm happily not... <laughs> not pursuing romance. Not, not romancing. But you have read Aziz Ansari. I have read Aziz Ansari, and I am fascinated. Maybe it's because a bunch of millennial people who are dating work with me. Right. But I am really fascinated by <laughs> well, all my dating. <laughs> you work with three millennials who are not good at dating and don't do it very often. But that's why I'm so interested, <laughs> because I think I would be an absolute disaster at online dating. Yeah. Um, are you it's... agreeing with me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm agreeing with you because I am a disaster at online dating. Oh. Um, and we have a lot of similarities. <laughs> so. So, okay. Uh, so, Read Bottom Up was recommended to me by Rebecca, so I have to give her credit. Right. She said it was really cute. Um, I trusted her opinion. I needed a book I could read quickly. Going right. back right, to right, right. Um, some of my issues with reading this month. I read this book in like an hour. Mm -hmm. um, it's really small. It's really small. And again, it's told in email discussions. But it is so cute and funny and a really interesting, fun glimpse at what life, I think, really is like. Like, even though I personally am not online dating because I know people who are, um, I found it really relatable. Like, I think it's really accurate based on the stories that I hear in the shop or from my friends. So if you are looking for a cute romantic comedy, Read Bottom Up is for you. And I think the writers, one of the people who blurbed the book was Allison Williams. And yeah. I don't know if these writers have some kind of tie-in to girls or to some television show. I, I think I read that Perhaps somewhere. Perhaps even to Peter Pan Live. <laughs> May it rest in peace. <laughs> um, uh, so I think if these people are television writers, because it was co-written, I think, by right. a guy and a girl, which may be why the voices are so authentic. Interesting. Um, Neil Shaw, I uh -huh. believe. And Sky Chatham. Yes. 
Um, and so a man and a woman wrote the book. To me, that might be why it's so great because mm-hmm. the emails back and forth to me are probably very true to how men and women are communicating. So the email exchanges aren't just between the two main love interests. They're also between the woman and her best friend and the guy and his best friend. So it is entirely exactly what happens with online dating. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So I... She said this, what do I do? Yes, and the best friends, to me, are the most compelling part of the book. So the the main two love interests are interesting and fine, and they certainly aren't unlikable or anything like that. But I was completely fascinated by the two best friends having to deal with these people online dating. Um, So read bottom up. Uh, read it because it is lovely. Read, read bottom up. Yeah. <laughs> when I started to recommend that, I realized that sounded awkward. Um, I, I really want to read that one too. It's I really think, cute. I think we actually ordered it for the store for me because of a conversation that Rebecca and I were having at the register. That's and then true. you read it and I still I have not. I sneaked it out of the store where you <laughs> grab it. As we're I gonna am do now it. I'm going to read it. Yeah, read it. It's great. And we've had to restock like two times since Rebecca and I started hand selling it. So Excellent. It's uh, really great. I'm just thinking now that it's April. If you're going to go on like a summer vacation oh, or on, yeah. on an airplane, this will be perfect because it's completely kind of mindless but still clever. And you probably can read it on your flight. So anyway. On your flight? At the beach, because let's face it, beach reading is hard. Yes. It's hard to pay attention. <laughs> That's right. Too many things going on. So it sounds like a perfect yeah. summer afternoon read. Absolutely. Let's talk about The Passenger. Okay. Or just Passenger. The Passenger. The Passenger. Uh, by Lisa Lutz. So I read this on not necessarily Hunter McClendon's recommendation, but... Hunter, who's been on the podcast frequently, he was reading this, and so he and I sometimes will read the same thing at the same time and then kind of talk about it. Mini book club. Mini book club is my... Oh, I wonder if mini book club is my favorite kind of book club. Uh, <laughs> I won't say that publicly, <laughs> but I do this love This is just between us and you, listeners. <laughs> um, but I do love mini book club. So he was reading The Passenger. I decided to take it home. The premise is pretty simple, pretty typical um this woman um is kind of on the run uh her in like the first page her husband dies but she says she didn't do it Mm. he's just dead but she doesn't want to take the blame for it so she runs okay terrible idea yeah i've seen the fugitive (laughs) i was about to say not a good idea um but for some reason, she thinks the cops are going to blame her or come after her because they always look at the spouse, um, which is true. I watched Dateline. Um, I've also seen Gone Girl. Yeah. Okay, right. So obviously we're in this now. Thank you, Gone Girl, which was excellent. But now we are kind of in the fallout of Gone Girl. Right. So think, a post-Gone Girl world. Yeah, it's a post-Gone Girl world. It's, it's a terrifying place. <laughs> um, here's one thing I liked about this book. So the premise felt a little bit far-fetched to me, and I didn't necessarily enjoy reading about the characters. However, I loved how this book was set up in that the woman is on the run, and so each chapter or section of the book is titled a woman's name, and it's the name that she takes. Oh, I love that. So it's each of her personas that she kind of undergoes. So that I thought was really clever and a very kind of unique approach to this type of story. Um, it's a thriller without being terribly thrilling. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not it's not super suspenseful. I think I finished this book and out loud said, that was fine. And it was. It was fine. I loved Lisa Lett's other book called How to Start a Fire. Oh, that one. Okay. Okay. okay, okay. That came out last summer. Um, I got it as an advanced reader copy. 
so here's a little plug for that book because I bet it's coming out in paperback soon. Um, and I thought it was a really well-written look at female friendships, um, kind of following them from when they met in junior high to adulthood, like mm-hmm. well into adulthood, I think 40s. Um, that, that was fantastic. So I went into The Passenger with high hopes. Also, the cover makes it, when I say not thrilling, the cover makes it seem like it's going to be this deeply suspenseful book. I didn't really find it to be suspenseful. I found it to be a book about a woman who can't figure out which identity she wants to keep, Um, which is its own interesting story, but kind of false advertising a little bit. Mm. Again, going back to the post-Gone Girl world. That's fascinating to me. The literary persona, the voices that we adopt and we use, that's the focus of my graduate work. So this is like... Oh, yeah. So exciting to me. (laughs) It's totally... And you're right, the voices completely change. So like... You know, you see the table of contents, and you see all these women's names, and you just don't know where the book's going to go. But it's it's no spoiler to say that each of those chapters is her, but just a new life she's leading. And Different faces she's putting yeah. on. That's the root of, of persona. Yeah. In Latin. We're not going to get into that. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think, I you know, I think, again, talking about beach books, like, this is one because it's compelling enough. Like, I wanted to know what happened. Mm-hmm. Um it wasn't quite as thriller suspense as a Gillian Flynn or as a ton of French. Um, instead, if you go into it, kind of ignore the dark broodiness of the cover and go into it just knowing it's about a woman who can't figure out who she wants to be. And then I think you might have an even better reading experience mm-hmm. than I did. Sold. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, I did my job. <laughs> <laughs> Which is strangely also my job. <laughs> You're good at it too. <laughs> I hope. Sometimes I wonder. Um, but uh, third book, uh, yes. one that is getting a lot of buzz around town right now because of loyal, lovely customer Susan Alexander, Ordinary Grace. Okay, Ordinary Grace. I think we have sold about 30-ish copies of this paperback. It has been out for a couple of years. I think it was an Indie Next pick when it came out in hardback a couple of years ago. But we've had Suzanne Alexander kind of champion this book, which happens sometimes, and mm-hmm. I kind of love it. It's my favorite thing. When a customer <laughs> kind of takes a book, makes it their own, and then kind of does our jobs for us. Mm-hmm. Like, like sells it on our behalf. And they do the hand selling. Yes, it's fantastic. Um, so she had been raving about Ordinary Grace. To her credit, and she will tell you, she'd been telling me about this book for like a year. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, I just didn't pick it up. Maybe because sometimes I have this thing where if somebody else I know has read a book, it means I don't have to. Um, Because there are so many books and I can't read them all. And so if Rebecca has read it or if you've read it or if Suzanne or Hunter has read it, I am not always as inclined to pick it up. That being said, going back to our mini book club discussion, um, Suzanne's book club decided to read it and she invited me to her book club meeting um, the Monday following Word of South. And I was like, sure, I'll read that this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) so word of south were like 12 hour days (laughs) so i'm not sure what i was thinking but to my credit i read most of it but her meeting was on monday morning and by monday morning i was involved enough in ordinary grace where i didn't want to attend the meeting Mm. not having finished the book Mm -hmm. i was invested and so i texted her told her hey i'm in the middle of the story and then i finished it by the end of monday it is there's no wonder that suzanne and so many other readers have fallen in love with this Mm -hmm. book I'll tell you what is interesting. Similar to Lisa Lutz's um, The Passenger, this book, when you Google it, comes up as a mystery thriller. 
That is that is horribly wrong. Oh, and that's not what I get from the cover at all. That's not what the cover reads. Um, I think the mistake is that William Kent Kruger, who wrote the book, is a mystery writer. Oh, okay. He has written mystery books before. Um, this, though, he would... I think he even says on his website, this was completely out of his wheelhouse. This is not a mystery or thriller book. There is a mystery that takes place in the novel, but that is not the main turn of the plot. Like, that is not the point of this book. So... If you're avoiding it, or if you Google this later and you think that's not what Annie said, you're right. It's not what I said because it's not true. Um, <laughs> so this is not this is not a mystery thriller. Um, it is my two comp titles I'm comparing it to, and this is high praise, and I won't go that high for Ordinary Grace, but um, it reminds me of Gilead by Marilyn Robinson, which is one of my favorite books that's I've read. Very high praise. Oh my gosh, Pulitzer Prize winner. It's one of my favorite books of the past five to ten years. I- and, um, and America's. <laughs> yes, but not all Pulitzer winners are deserving. True. We could have that whole conversation. Uh, we'll have that for another podcast. Yeah, that would be another episode. let's do that. I'm going to write that down in the notes, okay? <laughs> um, so, Gilead mixed with To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. That is high praise. Okay, so here, let me temper it a little bit. Okay. And what I mean is, Suzanne raved about this book. Customers have come in and raved about it. Like I said, we sold 30, 35 copies. I don't think the writing is Marilyn Robinson level writing. Um, or hard. Harper Lee level writing. Hard to be. Uh, but as far as content goes, um, this is a story told from an adult narrator looking back on his childhood, hence the To Kill a Mockingbird vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, the narration feels very much like a male scout. Okay. Um, because this is a guy who now is an adult, but as a kid he was kind of a uh, ruffian, like, you know, kind mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. rabble rouser. Um, and so it's a lot about him and he kind of he kind of guides the narration and then his father much like to kill a mockingbird plays a huge role in this book but his father is a methodist preacher okay um which ties in that's where i'm kind of getting my gilead comparison yeah. so there is a lot about grace and faith and forgiveness um, some underlying tones it takes place in the Midwest some underlying lying tones of racism mm-hmm. and um, Native Amer- relationships with Native Americans um, that's really interesting um, again not the same level as Marilyn Robinson or or Harper Lee at least in my opinion but lots of things worth discussing when you finish it it's no wonder book clubs have really liked it mm-hmm. and taken it under their wing because you can talk about so many different things and in fact Again, going back to what I love about my job, um, Suzanne came in the store earlier this week and randomly asked me out to lunch so that we could just so we could talk about this book. Oh, mini um, book club! Yes, mini book club. So she and I just had a great time talking about this. Another thing that I really loved about the book is I think it's just me, meaning my reading doesn't frequently. I don't frequently read books written by men or about men, mm. um, which I'm working on. I don't think I do either. Well, and so this <laughs> book was a was a really about a father son relationship, and then the the son's relationship with his brother. Okay. So I loved getting to read a book about that because I don't often read books like that. Um, a lot of the books I read deal with mother daughter relationships or female friendships or whatever, and this really gave a glimpse into a special bond that brothers have and then the very tricky father-son relationship um speaking about themes that it addresses it also addresses some um what happened the after effects of war what happens when you return home from war Mm -hmm. um anyway the more i talk about it the more i think it's probably a book best read in groups 
because you're you're going to read it and it is compelling and I highly recommend it. I'll stand by Suzanne's recommendation, but I think you're going to want to read it alongside someone else so that you can talk about it. Um, anyway, thoroughly enjoyed it. Maybe one of my favorite books of the month. Um, re- really liked that one. How about We Are Called to Rise? We Are Called to Rise has been out a while. Um, yeah. I think it came out in paperback this winter, maybe. Um, so debuted in hardcover a couple years ago. Again, made the Indie Next list. I I have had this on my list a long time. The hardcover cover was beautiful. It was. Um, and really compelling. It mm-hmm. had um, this desert scene and then an ice cream truck in the corner, and which I did not even realize was an ice cream truck until I read the book. Um, but I hesitated picking it up for whatever reason. And then when I was at a bookstore that shall, shall remain nameless, I picked up the paperback and read the first chapter and wanted to read more. But I put it away and never read it. And then lo and behold, my sisterhood of the traveling book club, because I have one of those, mailed me um, this copy. And so it was my responsibility to read it and then send along to the next friend. So this was kind of our book club book for the first quarter of the year. And I love this book club that I'm in because we write our notes throughout the book and then write a note in the back about how we enjoyed it. And then the next girl gets to see all the notes. Mm. It's fantastic. Um, So I was able to read what my friend thought um, and then kind of embark on the book. Uh, It is told in alternating voices. Um, Avis opens the book, and she, to me, is the most compelling character. The book makes it seem like it's going to be about infidelity, family relationships, um, kind of the paths crossing of different different lives and meeting people. And anyway, but it actually takes a turn into post-traumatic stress disorder and the after effects of war. So I think this would make a really interesting read-along um, if you liked the book or if you are interested in reading the book Deployment, um, which was a National Book Award winner, I think, a couple of years ago. I really liked that book. It was really hard to read. Um, but We Are Called to Rise takes that turn. And you and I talk about in the store um, covers and mm-hmm. kind of the service or disservice they give the content of their book. Yep. Um, we Are Called to Rise in paperback gives off the vibe that this is going to be a much lighter book than it is. <laughs> gotcha. Um, it's like they got this bright blue cover with hot pink on the front. No, <laughs> this book is not light. <laughs> this book, like I said, has alternating voices. There's Avis, who just finds out her marriage is falling apart after being married for 30, 35 years. Mm. Um, Bashkim, who's a Muslim immigrant from Albania, um, and his parents have a very fraught relationship. His father um, was a prisoner of war in Albania, and so suffering from the after effects of that. Um, Luis is a um, former Iraqi um Iraqi war veteran, I guess, who has come home injured. And so it's about him. So see what I'm describing? Like, this is not lightweight stuff. No, no, no. That's that's heavy. (laughs) Yeah. So you think it's going to be something and then it's not. Mm -hmm. So you need to prepare yourself that this is a good book. I thought it was really well written. It wrapped up too prettily for me, um, which I think then made it more commercial instead of more literary. But the writing is there. I loved the author's note in the back. So if you wind up reading this book based on my recommendation, I'd actually recommend reading the author's note first because it kind of gives a glimpse into Laura McBride's reason for writing this book. She is from Las Vegas. The book takes place in Las Vegas. And 
that's the reason she wrote the book was she wanted to write a book really about the culture of people who stay in Las Vegas, not mm. the people who visit there, oh, but the people okay. who live there and what their lives look like. And the military apparently plays a very big part in that. Mm-hmm. And so the book really covers a lot of territory. Those alternating voices I was talking about are well done. Oh, the fourth voice was is this woman named Roberta who's like a childcare um child specialist almost like an, a guardian ad litem but I forgot all about Roberta because in those four alternating voices I really cared about just two mm-hmm. so I felt like if the author if Laura McBride had stuck to two voices I would have been even more invested um, the four sometimes felt like a little much Roberta's story in particular was just not as interesting to me um, Avis and Bashkim though uh, those those were stories I wanted to hear um, but again, heavy. It, it's not a lightweight, like fun in the sun kind of book. Um, so don't let the paperback cover deceive you. But well written and and enjoyable. And I am glad that I read it. But I would not have read it were it not for my book club. So shout out to my long distance book club. <laughs> and now a book that you are not super glad to have read. Um, yeah. Losing it. Losing it by Emma Rathbone. This is an advanced reader copy. It comes out in July. I will give my disclaimer that I always give, which is that books are personal, and my opinions are my opinions, and so somebody else might love this book. Um, I, for the record, thought I was going to love it, which may have to do with why I didn't like it so much. Expectations. God, my expectations are so high. Um, But the book is about 26-year-old Julia, who is a 26-year-old virgin, and she spends one summer dedicated to trying to lose her virginity. You might be wondering, Annie, why would you pick this book up? But my sales rep talked about it a lot, and I was really intrigued by that. I thought that could be interesting. That's the plot of American Pie. Oh, is it? Yeah. I've never seen American Pie. <laughs> Something about a band? That's all I know. Band camp. Band camp. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, all I know about American Pie. We're going to leave it there, listeners. <laughs> but, uh... Uh, okay, well, this woman kind of, you know, she's 26, and she just feels like she should have lost her virginity by now. I'll tell you what was difficult about this book for me. I thought it sounded kind of lighthearted, funny, cutesy, and instead I found the main character to be insufferable. Mm. I think I kind of talked to you about it when I had just started it. I just kind of wanted to know, are there people out there who are this obsessed with their sexual lives? Yes. Okay, well, that's good to know because I was reading this thinking there is no way this is realistic because Julia, the main character, her desire to not only lose her virginity but her concern with her sexuality and with the sexuality of everyone she meets was obsessive. And I know that's the point of the book. I know that's what the author was trying to do, but it made her absolutely insufferable. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to read about her because I thought, why can't she couldn't focus on her job? She couldn't focus on her relationships with other people. Um, In fact, her relationship um, with her aunt, she goes to live with her aunt in North Carolina for the summer. Her relationship with her aunt is horrific, mostly because Julia is the most awkward person. And she's only awkward because she is constantly thinking about how am I going to lose my virginity and how did you lose yours? Mm. Or are you a sexual person? Like, it was just the weirdest... I finished it and thought, wow, she never got better. And mm. maybe the irony, ooh, is this a spoiler? Mm, let's just say that the irony is that Julia does not undergo a transformation. And I, 
maybe the point is that we don't. Hmm. Uh, the whole notion of virginity is this bizarre social social construct. Well, and maybe that it isn't wrapped up so deeply in who we are. Right. It does that not you're define s- your person. Right, that you are still the same person. And I will acknowledge that growing up in Christian culture, mm-hmm. um, you are kind of told, or it's kind of assumed that a, f- a switch will flip. Right. And... Anyway, maybe that's, you know what, looking back, maybe that's the point of losing it. In which case, well done, Emma Rathbone. And um, I still, I, this book still wasn't my favorite, but now I'm thinking, well, maybe that was her point. But I'd love to know what you think if you read it. It comes out in July. Um, the cover's kind of compelling. And I think it's a debut novel. And um, I'd be interested to know what other readers think. It wasn't entirely for me. It sounds like it has a lot of similarities in some way with The First Bad Man by Miranda July, which I'm still trying to get you to read. And you will. Oh, yeah. You will eventually. I, know. <laughs> I read her short story. Yes, I know. Uh, I'm very excited about that. But her novel came out last summer. And it also has a sex-obsessed female narrator who has trouble focusing on anything else, but not in quite the same way. I think it was a, more, a little more nuanced, okay. a little more interesting than what you're describing. So that too. Okay. So I might need to add that one to my list. This, you know, this one, I just, I just read it thinking, when is something going to happen here? Mm-hmm. When is this character or any of these side characters, when is something going to happen to these people? When are you going to be an active participant in your life? instead of this passive person. I don't know. I, I, again, I would just really like to know what other people thought. That's the hard part about reading ARCs is you're kind of reading in a vacuum. Right. And I know what I thought about it, but I'm very curious to know what other people will think about it. And we do know what other people think of the next one, this last one on your list, Fortune Smiles by Adam Johnson, winner of the National Book Award for Fiction. Yes. Um, actually, this might be my favorite book of the month. Um, I don't know. Uh, mix maybe it and Ordinary Grace are a tie. Uh, Fortune Smiles is a short story collection, although I kind of tease because these are long short stories. Yeah, these are it's more like novellas. novellas. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a collection of six novellas. I bought this, I must say, purely because peer pressure. Because Chris <laughs> found a first edition and he got Adam Johnson to sign it at Word of South. And I thought, well, I want one. <laughs> so, and so, because the truth is, um, I heard Adam Johnson interviewed on NPR probably, I don't know, three to six months ago. And I thought, wow, he sounds really interesting. Like, he gave a really great interview. But after hearing him speak, I wasn't sure I wanted to read his book. I wasn't sure his book was for me. Right. But I was glad I had listened to the interview. Um, then at Word of South, I met him. He was really kind. He signed a our sweetheart. Books. Yeah, he was so nice. But I didn't get to hear him speak or anything. So truly bought the book because of Chris. And then decided to read it because of Adam Johnson himself. And then, again, Hunter had read it. And so I thought, well, I'll read it. Hunter and I can talk about it. The first short story um, is called Nirvana. And it is about um, Kurt Cobain droids and debilitating illness <laughs> and it is all things that you really love oh my gosh well i love kurt cobain uh i do <laughs> um it was the weirdest story but i couldn't put it down mm-hmm. so you would think typically annie might read a story and see the word droid and my eyes would glaze over and think not for me not for me like i'm not gonna read this (laughs) um instead i was very enthralled like i wanted to know what happened and then 
each story is so different from the other that I am blown away by his writing. Yep. I, I didn't think I'd be a fan, but there's a short story about um, a German uh, a German prison guard um, after the wall is torn down between East and West Germany, East and West Berlin, that is completely compelling. There's a beautifully written, actually, and this is the story that kind of won me over. I think it's the third story in the collection. Um, is a fictional kind of look at a woman with cancer who's married to a Pulitzer Prize winner. Mm. Well, Adam Johnson is a Pulitzer winner, and his wife battled with cancer. She's now in remission, but he wrote the story while she was sick. And it's beautiful and heart-wrenching and interesting and funny. It was so good that when I finished it, I like I finished it before bed one night, Jordan was already asleep, and I like pulled out my cell phone because I had to Google more about Adam Johnson. Like it sent me kind of on a rabbit trail of what do people think about this story. I do need to give a disclaimer because I hand sold this to somebody the other day <laughs> before you had read the first before story. I read the four, fourth fifth story. Fifth story. The fifth story, which is the one that I have read. Okay, that's the one you had read, and you did warn me. I do remember that now. So the fifth story is called Dark Meadow, mm-hmm. and it is told from the perspective of a pedophile. Mm-hmm. And it is dark. It is dark and disturbing and sticks with you in ways that you really don't want it to stick with yeah, you. Yeah, that you wish wouldn't. Yeah. Um, in fact... Uh, which is which is praise, really, well, in some way. Yeah, it goes back to his incredible writing. Mm-hmm. Um, but on that note, I'm putting this on the list because I am going to finish it, but I finished the fifth story, which is Dark Meadow, and have not picked up the book again. Right, and there's only one left. There's only one left, um, and I will read it, and I probably, I probably will tackle it this weekend, um, which is still April, so nobody panic. <laughs> um, but I have had a hard time going back to it because that story was so deeply unsettling. I, in fact, I, I don't want to like make a habit of this, but I did text Chris like mm-hmm. right after I finished because I thought... I have to tell someone yeah. about this. And I was too ashamed to tell Jordan what I had just read. <laughs> so I was like, um, Chris, this story is it's devastating. It is. It is. It it sticks in your soul. Yeah. So I do want to kind of give that disclaimer. That being said, the collection itself is so well done. And so you could easily enjoy this collection. And if you want, skip Dark Meadow. I don't think it's one of those stories you have to read. No. Now, I will say for whatever reason, I knew what it was about upon starting it, and I went ahead and finished it. Um, I was compelled to finish it. I, it, it. He's such a good writer. I think that's really a testament to his writing. It's an, it's an incredibly written story. Just know that if you don't want to feel gross, right. don't, don't read, read it. it. That said, the collection itself is just far better than I could have imagined. And I say that because the first story just is so weird and outside of my reading comfort zone. And when it made, when it won the National Book Award, I was disappointed because I was rooting for a couple of other books. And you now... wanted Fates and Furies. Oh, God, I wanted Fates and Furies <laughs> to win. And I still kind of want Fates and Furies to have won. That being said... Because these short stories are so different from one another, it really showcases how good of a writer yeah. he is. And now now I'm on board. Like, now I kind of agree that this should have won the National Book Award, which is which is high praise because I love Fates and Furies. You're a big Lauren Groff fan. We're a big Lauren Groff fan. So um, that is, that's the last book I read in April. I am reading another book. Can I tell you about it? Please. It's so good. I started Sons and Daughters of Ease and Plenty, what a great title. It is. Right? Yeah. It's good. And it's a good cover, too. It's a great it right cover. Now. It's got this kind of, 
uh, 19th century-ish fainting couch. Yes. Um, with a chair overturned in front of it and this great, like, off-white kind of handwritten, kind of painty-looking font. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's so good. And I'll tell you why I picked it up. It's an advanced reader copy. I picked it up for two reasons. The blurb on the front, and I know Chris has educated me on blurbs, but the blurb yeah. on the front was by Maggie, Sh- Maggie Shipstead, who wrote Astonish Me and Seating Arrangements, both books I really enjoyed. And you'll like this. The blurb on the back is by Claire Bay Watkins. Watkins. Yeah. Um, so it takes place 1976 Martha's Vineyard. Think dysfunctional wealthy family. Perfect. So so done. Sold. <laughs> um, I also picked this up because I have come off a couple of just meh books, like um, Losing It, for example, and. I love getting recommendations from other booksellers and other readers. And Tyler Goodson from Avid Bookshop really pushed this one. He's and I, because I got the ARC months ago, um, but I have in my office just a line of ARCs in order of when they're coming out, and I'm trying to read them in order. And this one wasn't coming out till July, so I felt no rush. But he just kept insisting if you liked The Nest, then you will like this. And I loved The Nest. Um, I read that last month and really enjoyed it. So. I started this last night as of recording this, and I want everybody to leave me alone so I can read it, which I feel like is a good sign. So that is what I'm reading right now. Um, Excellent. What are you reading right now? Listeners, I have to tell you that we are recording podcasts back to back right now. <laughs> We're recording three today. We're three today. So the episode that will air a week after this, I have already said this, <laughs> your future is my past. <laughs> beautiful presence my presence is a present i don't know i'm quoting kanye west i don't actually mean that i'm sorry um but i am reading right now the whale by mark beauregard it's an arc we got in the shop it's about the friendship and romance question mark between nathaniel hawthorne and herman melville it's told kind of from melville's perspective it's third person but it's this oh what do you call it um free indirect discourse where the narrator is kind of in the author. No, the narrator is in the character's head, Okay. but still separate from the character. Um, all about Melville kind of reading too much into things and meeting Hawthorne, who, who he's immediately taken with and whether or not he's imagining this kind of sort of romantic feeling. It's kind of, I kind of feel a little bit written for me as a person who reads too much into things and also really loves Melville and Hawthorne. When I came to grad school, I thought that's what I was going to study, and then I oh. took medieval lit classes and turned into that. But I really, really love oh, interesting. the literature of the American Renaissance, Melville and Hawthorne and Poe and and Dickinson and Whitman and Thoreau and Emerson, oh, all those. I do love a lot uh, of those. They're my favorites. So, historical fiction novel, slightly neurotic, obsessive characters, people whose work I've read and really love kind of written for me. I was going to say, so it's right. It's really for it you. It really is up my alley. Um, okay, well, that kind of recaps what I read in April. I'd love to know what you read in April, so you can find full show notes, including a list of the books that I read, um, both on iTunes and on our store website at www.bookshelfthomasville.com. And if you'd like to have a mini book club with us, please tell us what you think, and join us on social media at bookshelftville. And if you'd like to follow along with what I'm reading, you can check out my blog at chris-jensen.com. That's J-E-N-S-E-N. Hooray! So thanks so much for listening, guys, and we will see you next week.